So we're looking at uh, the second part uh, in the series focusing on the family. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the one that we looked at last week. It was on uh, marriage and um, you know husbands and wives and the whole dynamic and 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 more than anything else, what is the what does the Bible say uh, about marriage? What's God's design? For marriage if you haven't listened to it i encourage you to do so it's always just really good to go over the scriptures and be refreshed and renewed in our understanding of it but this morning we want to talk about the second important aspect of marriage if you like and that is parents and children parents and children now i have to say at the beginning that this is not a parenting seminar there's too much i was preparing i'm like man there's so much that can be said about parenting and about childrening if you want to use that word uh, just made that up out of the blue uh, but you know th- th- that you'd have to go to a seminar and you'd probably have to get into all the details and you know what do we do with social media and this and that and so we're not going to hit on all those things we're going to take much more of a birds eye view just as a refresher for you and hopefully with god's help with counsel from other believers uh, and the scriptures you'll be able to then work out the myriad sort of details that are there in each of your homes and every home is slightly different there are different permutations and combinations there are different ages in which your children are and so you'd have to figure all of that out as we go along but i like uh, Psalm 127 that was read for us and again just as a uh, you know a, to to sort of take a step back and look at that psalm for a moment before we get into the details of the sermon itself i mean this is a psalm that is a go to psalm uh, often for us as a family uh, because of the way it speaks of the home and the family and it talks about how the lord is the builder of a house and i love that it says over there you know it says those who uh, he says unless the lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake, awake in vain it is in vain in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep that's so much of what happens in a home we're going we're running from pillar to post to try and send our kids to school to try and put food on the table to pay bills to buy clothes and as they grow up the clothes become more fashionable and expensive and actually the i've noticed that infant clothes are somehow more expensive than adult clothes that's true isn't it they they make money from that it's lesser cloth but they still make money from that but anyway whatever it is there's just so much that we're trying to do to run our homes and our families and we often are eating the bread of anxious toil and so i love what the psalmist says over here when he says wait a minute pause god is the one who builds a house god is the one who protects your children and your family god is the one who puts food on your table God is the one who sustains you day after day. And so this psalm is so encouraging for us as we, you know, from a big picture sense as we fret and worry over our family and our children and what's going to happen and how we're going to pay the bills and how we're going to manage this and that. Fret not. Worry not. Because God promises to take care of of us. He promises to watch over us. and then of course he goes on to talk about children being a heritage from the lord we talk about that uh, in a moment as well and so there's just a wonderful encouragement in this psalm as we look into this uh, this topic for this morning 
Now, uh, in October, I was with the Pumai Baptist Church uh, at their church camp and we were comparing notes about uh, how large our families are. And I thought my family was big, you know, six of us. People think before they invite us for a meal. How are we going to cater to this, right? And they're all grown up now. And so I was thinking, you know, it's a big family. And then I was talking to them. All their families are eight, ten, twelve people, double mine also. And that's normal. They were laughing at me, you know. Uh, and that's just the way the families are back home in the village, large families. And, and it was, you know, it's just part of the village culture. That's just how it was. Of course, what they said is that they've noticed that families from those places as they move to cities have started having smaller families, like two or three kids at the most. Uh, even the pastor of the Pumai Baptist Church has only three kids, like not as many as back home. And I think he's under a little bit of pressure from back home. Like, what are you doing? Got to have more kids. And he was saying to me, he's like, Pastor, the bills, it's expensive to have kids in the city. It's true, isn't it? Every other child you have, you've got to, you, you're multiplying your expenses. And so there's, there's that to be considered. Added to that, parenting is an immensely challenging responsibility. I mean, of all the things that I think Sharon and I have tried to do in our life, parenting is, is right up there in terms of its challenge, in terms of the skill and the wisdom that's needed for it. Lots of other things can be done much more easily, but not parenting. Because, you know, as parents, even thinking back to the early stages of our kids, we have to nurture them from their infancy when they're little helpless babies that we have to care for them and something as basic as putting them to sleep was a challenge. I, I like this, someone said, my biggest parenting conundrum is why is it so hard to put someone who's already sleepy to sleep? It's one of the things and if you ask, you know, um, um, Rohit and Jyoti, they probably say, yeah, that makes sense. It is hard, right? Uh, and then, of course, as they grow up, there are heaps of joyful moments and there are also lots of struggles uh, that will come along at each stage of their life. I was looking up a quote on this and, you know, the, the actor Ryan Reynolds, he says this, he says, Being a father is the single greatest feeling on earth. Not including those wonderful years I spent without a child, of course. You know, and so there's that aspect of it. I mean, we, we, we love parenting, but there's also like the other side of life that we sometimes might think about. On top of all of that, what, with all that we read in the newspaper and in the news, the world seems like a poor place to bring children into, isn't it? Seems like a scary place. And I mean, we think back often, if you're my age, we think back to, you know, when we were your age, my kids hate this, like, you know, yeah, your, the world was perfect when they were your age. We used to go out when we were five years old, we would walk down the streets and nobody would do anything to us. Today, we can't allow that. But it's true, isn't it? It's true. I mean, my kids have actually stepped out and started using public transport a lot later than we did when we were growing up. And I don't know if that's us being overprotective or if the world is pretty messed up out there and difficult. And there is, in fact, so much uncertainty about the future. I don't think any of us can actually tell what the world is going to look like 20 years from now. We can't. Go back 50 years, it was more predictable. Now, no idea what it's going to look like. 
And so we have all these things that make us feel very insecure about the kind of world we are bringing our children into and how much we need to be able to understand the ways in which we ought to raise them to live in a world that is so unpredictable and uncertain. And so that's why I think this is important for us to consider. And the Bible has, you know, good instruction for us about parenting. And I think Psalm 127 as a foundation is important. We don't know everything. We can't predict the future. It's not in our hands. We cannot ultimately control our children. And you should not either. Right? Because God is in control. And we, can, we must learn to be able to sleep well at night because God watches over our homes and he builds a family and so that becomes foundational for us and so as we look at this you know we're going to look at a, we're going to look at it from two different perspectives one is from the perspective of the responsibility of the parent to the child but also from the perspective of the child to the parent so just sort of two angles that we're going to uh, touch on this morning now once again you know in our indian culture like i said last week we pride ourselves on our family values and I think, yeah, we're pretty decent at it compared to the rest of the world, if we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit, right? But it's far from perfect. The other thing that we pride ourselves on is on how to raise other people's children. We're really good at that. You know, our kids, no problem. We'll tell you how to raise your family. That's another thing that Indians are really good at doing. And so what we want to do this morning is again, like I said last week, is to come back to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say? about children and homes and families and parents and all of the dynamics that exist in there and so again bird's eye view we'll just look at the scriptures and understand it from these two perspectives the first one is the responsibility of parents to their children the responsibility of parents to their children and i want to go back a little bit uh, to a foundational statement to this going back to the creation account like we did last week to look at Genesis 1.28 where we read about God, you know, he creates the man and the woman and he blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And I want you to observe very quickly, very early on in the creation account, before the fall, God purposed for husbands and wives, parents, for husbands and wives to have children, to become parents. It was part of the creation ordinance, so to speak. Children are not a bad thing. They're not a hindrance, an unnecessary sort of evil in your life. They are part of what God mandated for husbands and wives to do he says multiply be fruitful multiply fill the earth and subdue it that's what he says in the scriptures it's part of the creation mandate now it doesn't say how many children we're to have and i think that's a practical wisdom consideration that you must make looking at your situation and life and all of those things but it definitely says that we should pursue the, the, the fulfilling of this mandate to have children. We should have children. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm again, you know, coming back to this and sort of, you know, mentioning this and stressing on this is because a lot of people today, a lot of young people, unmarried, and a lot of young couples 
are putting off the idea of children for a long time. I just wait. I want to enjoy life more. I want to do more in life. I want my independence and freedom and all of those things. And sure, you want to experience life. No problem with that. Travel, jump off a plane and put a parachute on. Put a parachute on, yeah. Uh, you know, do all those things. Enjoy your life. Absolutely, yes. But remember God's mandate for marriage and the call on us to have children. The purpose with which he created marriage to, is for husbands and wives to have children. And so children in that sense are not a hindrance. They're not an inconvenience in our lives. There's something that God has mandated for us to do in marriage that's why in Psalm 127 verse 3 he says behold children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the of a womb a reward children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb a reward remind yourself of this verse the next time your child is running around madly in the house refusing to eat food or listen to what you're saying or maybe a little bit of a grown-up child that's just stubborn won't talk to you you know how it is right it's quiet in the room i'm not going to talk to you eyebrows are high remind yourself of this that children my child is a heritage from the lord a reward from god to me what a wonderful thing it is and so you know the first thing is this mandate in marriage this creation ordinance that we are to have children we're to fill the earth and subdue it in that sense and then of course uh, that they are a heritage from the lord a reward from the lord now to be sure it is important to have children and it probably needs to be said when you are mentally and emotionally ready for it don't just say oh your pastor said and no, no, pray about it, think about it. At the right time, you've got to approach it in an, in an appropriate manner. When both you and your spouse are ready for it, then you proceed uh, with it. So you want to be considerate about those things, but you want to keep in mind that God has called you together in marriage to have children. And there's lots of other practical things that are buzzing through my mind, but I'm not going to touch them because you've got to go for a parenting seminar on that about children and why and all of that stuff but there's another reason for having children in malachi and i want you to look at these verses there's one verse really in malachi chapter 2 verse 15 god is speaking to the nation of judah and he is confronting the men because they were being unfaithful to their wives he was confronting them because they were being unfaithful to their wives and then he says to them, he says, he calls them to account and he says, do you not know why I brought you together with your spouse to be one with them? And then he says in verse 15 of Malachi chapter 2, <coughs> did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? That's a question. And what was the one God seeking? And the answer, godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. You see, God made them one, brought them together in marriage because he was seeking godly offspring. That's what God is seeking from this marriage. Not just children and, you know, let's fill the earth in that sense, but he's seeking godly offspring. People who, like the parents, will also follow the Lord and seek to honor the Lord in their lives. Who will then fill the earth and subdue it in that sense right and so god was seeking godly offspring now 
having children is only the starting place for godly offspring. It's only the starting place. Children born to Christian parents are not Christians. Does that make sense? Children born to Christian parents are not Christians. They are not godly offspring. They have to be raised to be godly offspring. They are, yes, by privilege in that sense, placed into a home and where God's word is taught. And so in a, in a, in a sense, Paul talks about how they are sanctified in that sense. Uh, there's, there's wonderful blessing and privilege in that. But they have to be taught the word of God. They have to be brought to a place where they one day for themselves put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they become a follower of Christ. Just because you're a Christian parent does not automatically mean that your child will be a godly child. It doesn't mean that. Don't be casual about it. Your children need that spiritual counsel and advice and they need to be taught godliness right and so that's what Paul will write over here in, in or the New Testament will say in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 let me just read these verses to you he says fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord bring your children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord you and I as parents, it is incumbent on us as believing parents to teach and instruct our children in the word of God. We, it is necessary for us to do that and not assume that that will happen automatically. Not also assume that that's the responsibility of the lighthouse kids teachers or the Sunday school teachers. No, no, it is your responsibility first and foremost as Parents, what churches do, what Sunday schools do, only supplements that. It is fundamentally and primarily your responsibility. And I, I think, you know, a lot of us as parents, we do this. We, if our children are sort of straying off a little bit, it's the school's fault or it's the church's fault. We're trying our best. No, it's your responsibility. Fundamentally, finally, it is your responsibility. Now, I want you to notice over here that he says, you know, he says the idea of bringing them up. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some of your Bibles will say to nurture them in the instruction of the Lord. I want you to think about that word nurture. Nurture takes time, doesn't it? Nurture takes time. The, the, the picture of nurturing is a time-consuming thing. It's a time-consuming thing. And it's an interesting thing that he says to the fathers that they should nurture their children. And I think Paul purposely does that in speaking to the fathers. Because I think moms are more naturally inclined to nurture. They just naturally sort of created that way to be much more intimately involved in the finer details of the child's life. The dad is like, ah, I'll be fine. You know, from a distance sort of a thing. But here he says that the fathers are not to provoke their children to anger, but to nurture them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In other words, fathers are to spend time with their children. Of course you provide, of course you take care, and you do all of the big picture stuff if that's how you want to think about it. But you cannot do it to the neglect of the nurture of your child. 
Don't leave it to your wife. And in fact, if you come back to what we talked about last week, marriage is a partnership. We work together on this. And so you and your spouse together figure out ways in which you're going to intentionally nurture your children. And that means time. It means time. You ask any child that comes from a broken home or a home where they're estranged from their parents, they will tell you that they did not have time or their parents did not give them time. Even the wealthiest of homes where they have every luxury and every comfort, if the child does not have time with their parent, none of that matters. None of it matters. And if, you know, of course you've got to be practical about this. Figure it out. But make intentional time for your children so you can nurture them. You can nurture them. And that's what scripture commands us to do, to nurture them spiritually, more specifically than everything else. He says to, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And fathers, we've got to take this up, man, really, much more than we do. It, it is true, you know, typically speaking, moms are much more sort of switched on with these things. But dads, it's our responsibility ultimately to do that, to provide that spiritual nurture for our children and along with our wives of course but it's not something we can neglect or leave to our spouse in that sense and so we partner in it as we do it with our children to bring them up in the instruction and the discipline of the lord Deut deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7 he says you shall teach them diligently to your children this is the law of the lord and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise i found this this has been one of the most helpful practical instructions for sharon and i as we have we've thought about our children over the years you know so much of emphasis has been and it happens in churches is family prayer you got to have that family prayer absolutely important but the problem is all the spiritual discussion happens only in the family prayer time the rest of the time it's everything else we don't learn we don't teach our children to integrate spiritual things with everyday things in life how do you manage money how do you when you're standing in a queue how do you make sure you don't cut the queue why is that a spiritual thing teach your child that wonderful opportunities to use practical everyday things in your life to nurture and cultivate in your child spiritual discipline or a spiritual sense about things not just the family prayer have family prayer but like he says in the scriptures over here as you sit as you walk as you lie down when you rise use every opportunity to have conversations about the gospel of christ and how it fits into life so that children don't grow up seeing the, the the christian life as being only in one area that is church and sort of ministry things and everything else being sort of secular we don't want that divide everything is sacred to god isn't it and so we have the responsibility to teach our children how it all works together and the, the reality is children will do what they see you do not what you tell them to do isn't that true 
Family prayer is all about us telling our children what to do. Life is showing them how to do it. And that's what you want to do with your kids. Show them how to live the Christian life. That's what Deuteronomy 6 says to us. Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up your child, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. It's important for us because it's a responsibility for us as our parents to train up our child. And that's just generally speaking, this is wise. This is what we should do as parents because when they are old and you're not around, they will do what you have trained them up in. That's your goal in life. Your goal is not to create little people who are overly dependent on you for every little thing, but to teach them how to handle life, how to manage it, because you're not going to be around forever. And you want to be able to do that. One of the things that we talk about with, as, as you know, Sharon and I, we talk about is that we, we want our children not simply to do what is right, but to love what is right. To love what is right. Because if they do what is right because we are telling them to do it, like we, you know, we're, we're around, then when we're not around, they'll do whatever they love. But we want to train them, and you want to train them to love what is right, so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, next week we'll talk about the responsibility we have as parents of finally letting our children go. So we have them, we raise them, we nurture them, we teach them. And then there's also a point where we have to let them go. You got to let them go. And particularly when it comes to marriage, you've got to let them go. And we'll talk about that, right? Because that's a significant area, often an area of conflict, of misunderstanding between, you know, children, spouses, parents, in-laws, that whole dynamic. And so we'll touch on that uh, when we get to it uh, next week. But just an important note over here, you know, and we've had in our church in the past, even in the, in the present, we've, you know, there are people who, couples who desire to have children and many of us are praying for them. And maybe for you also in the future, as when you get married and you desire to have children, but you're not able to have a child, trust in the Lord. And I know it sounds so super spiritual to say that, right? But it's true. And we have seen wonderful miracles of people who've waited for a long time, who've prayerfully trusted in the Lord and it's happened in their life because it is God who opens the womb and you want to be like an Abraham and a Sarah. You want to be like a Hannah that just petitioned the Lord and said, Lord, please help me with this and trust in the Lord. But another thing for us to consider as Christian parents, as couples, is not just those who don't have kids but even those who do have kids uh, is to consider adoption of fostering children and I, I'm not going to say too much about this but I did have in mind and I do have in mind to have someone actually come and do us do, do a quick talk on that because I've already spoken to this person some time ago about uh, you know fostering children how that works in our country uh, but I encourage you to think about this there are so many children that can be provided a wonderful home of care and nurture and maybe your home is that home and of course again you need to do this prayerfully thoughtfully with God's guidance not just make it unilaterally but you got to do it together you know Sharon's sister has um, 
has adopted a little girl some years ago just wonderfully fits into the family my goodness you can't even tell them apart you know my sister fostered a girl uh, two years ago now and you know she's also just wonderfully fit into the family and it's just it's a joy to see the home that these children who are often now have to grow up in just a sort of a, a normal environment with a mom and a dad and all of the the blessings of that uh, it's a wonderful thing uh, to see that but something for you to consider as well now fundamentally just one more thing on parenting over here we learn parenting fundamentally from god himself isn't it we learn it from god himself god is our father he protects he provides he nurtures he leads he guides he empowers he encourages my goodness how god encourages us he celebrates there's a uh, i think it's in zechariah he says he sings over you god sings over you beautiful isn't it he equips us as his children all of the things that god does we can look at and we will never be god but we can look at and learn in how uh, how to parent our own children we can learn from god we're not god but we can learn from god how to parent our children so much of our understanding of it comes from that but second and second aspect over here is is that christian parents are to live out the gospel of christ in their life and that means that you got to show your need for the gospel in your own life through repentance through confession when was the last time you said sorry to your kids but you actually said you know i'm really sorry that i hurt you with what i said or what i did and you demonstrated that humility in your own life because if you never do that with your children they will never do that in their own lives they're going to watch what you do and they're going to grow up and they're going to be hard-hearted towards the gospel of Christ they will never practice repentance and confession and so we live it out but not only that we also because of the gospel practice grace and forgiveness and so there's a wonderful ways in that relationship with our child to manifest the gospel story just as we did in marriage we do it with our children as well we tell the gospel story you see for good or for bad you are the greatest influencer in the life of your child the greatest influence and you may not think it but you are either positively or by neglect negatively but you're the influence and you can make the difference in the way your child grows up god has given you that place like nobody else will have in your life to influence your child and so you and i take this up with utmost seriousness with the help of the lord and with the counsel of other believers if you're struggling with your child speak to other believers in the church who maybe seem to have it a little bit more nobody has it perfect but they have a little bit more together they could probably help you work through that all right let's talk about briefly and this is going to be a shorter section about the responsibility of children uh, to their parents now the first clear instruction uh, to children in the scriptures is found in the 10 commandments now of course there's a lot that's said about children before that in fact families is more narrative stuff but in terms of instruction to the children we read in exodus chapter 20 this is the 10 commandments 
uh, verse 12 it says honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you now in the very next chapter chapter 21 of Exodus verse 15 he says whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death and I just insert that over here because that's the seriousness with which God considers our honor towards our parents right that's what the Old Testament law was that's how serious this was in the very next chapter when he talks about honor your father and mother chapter 21 he talks about this that's a serious thing and so we are definitely not to strike our father and mother away we're definitely not to dishonor our father and our mother now part of honor when children are young is obedience it's obedience that's why Paul you know in the New Testament puts this together in, in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 he says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land now when you're younger obedience is honor obedience is honor and what Paul notes here is that this is the first commandment of all the commandments over there as you go through them I think this is the sixth commandment or whatever he says this is the first one that has a promise attached to it what's the promise the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long it may go well with you and that you may live long in other words God will bless and prosper you if you honor your parents that's huge that's a big reason why children must honor their parents that God will bless you with a long life and he will prosper you if you do that that's a significant reason to do that but the other reason why we should honor our parents or or listen to our parents or obey our parents is because it's wise it's wise Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 he says this he says hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching and this is a book on wisdom Proverbs is all about wisdom and he begins this book on wisdom by calling us to heed our parents instruction you know our parents have years on us don't they years of experience on us we're, we're a generation I don't know my generation or maybe the next generation but we're a generation that thinks we know more than everybody else because of Google right Google tells us all the answers for life mom dad what do you know right that's basically why we that's how we think but knowledge is not wisdom knowledge is knowledge you can be stupid with lots of knowledge it's possible wisdom is the skillful handling of knowledge that's what wisdom is wisdom is the skillful use of knowledge that comes through instruction and experience which parents have experience they've made a ton of mistakes in their lives that they can come and say hey, child don't do that and you're like no I, I know Google told me or whatever told me my friends told me 
No, no, they have the experience. There's wisdom in that. And that's why the scriptures urge us to heed our parents' instruction because they have wisdom. They have wisdom. So listen to your parents. And all the Sunday school kids are missing for this, but that's okay. <laughs> Tell them when they go back, all right? Now the relationship between a parent and a child changes when they become an adult or they're no longer dependent on their parents for their needs. Maybe they're working or whatever, you know, so it kind of, it changes. And I, I think it happens over time. Maybe we can think about it from the years of 18 years onwards when they become a little bit more independent, they're out there or whatever. Uh, sort of over time, the relationship will change. It, it changes throughout as the child grows up, but there's more independence, if you like, from the parent as the child moves into adulthood. And there comes a time, I don't know when that time is, when you get married, it's a clear marker. But before you get married also, I think there is a time when you as an adult are responsible for your decisions. And you, in that sense, you don't obey your parents, you take responsibility for your decisions. And you honor your parents. You honor your parents. But definitely marriage is a great marker for that. When you get married, you are your own family unit and you make decisions. I know, we know of, of families and couples where, you know, the one of the spouse and often the husband is still so connected to the parents that they will not make any decisions for their home without the mom and dad's approval. The poor wife has no say in it, but they'll wait for the parents' approval for that. Because they consider that to be honor for the parents, obedience to the parents, I don't know. But you move out, there is a stage when you move out from obedience in that sense to taking responsibility for your life and not blaming it on your parents in that way. But you still continue to honor them. And that definitely happens and should happen when you get married, but as you grow up to be an adult as well. And so when, the, when that changes, Honor is not necessarily obedience, it probably isn't obedience, but it's definitely in the way we listen to advice and counsel. It's in the way we speak to our parents. It's in the way we care for our parents. It's the way we might provide for them, in the way that we still feel that sense of responsibility. In fact, there's a reverse responsibility now for our parents. That's honor as we grow up. And it's wonderful to see that happen when, you know, children who are grown up now are able to continue to nurture and care for our parents. And this, even though, you know, I've been, we've been married 20 years and both our parents, by God's grace, are still alive. They live in Vasant Kunj. They've had tremendous influence on us. But over the last few years, we've noticed a change in the way that they now look to us for advice and counsel on lots of different things. It's almost like they can't make decisions now without calling and say, son, what do you think we should do? And I'm feeling really good, man. Like I waited for this all my life to tell you what I think, you know? And so that's what happens as, as time goes by, it changes and it's a good thing. But my responsibility to honor them is to pour into their life, to care for them, to spend that time with them and help them through those difficult times. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, you know, the Bible is providing instruction for the care of widows. 
and he says the primary responsibility for the widow is her children if she has children meaning the children have the primary responsibility for her care if she has children now let's keep that context in mind because in chapter 5 verse 8 he says but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and i think in the context he's talking about the parents or the widowed parent but the parents if he doesn't provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever boy that's a strong statement isn't it we have responsibility to take care and read the whole context chapter 5 he's talking about the care for the parent we have the responsibility to do that but we must do that with our spouse because we one unit now this is where maybe we'll talk about it next week i don't know or maybe you've got to go for marriage counseling that's too many things to talk about but that's where you do it together sharon's parents is the responsibility of both of us together and my parents are the responsibility of both of us together it's not just i'll take care of my parents you take care of your parents that's not how it is we're one unit we do it together it'll cause conflict otherwise and so that's all i'm really going to say about the responsibility of children to their parents but i want to finish with this you know in all of this in all of this the command is for us to love to love you know when matthew when jesus says in matthew 22 you shall love your the second is likely you shall love your neighbor as yourself your first neighbor is your parent or your child they're your neighbors i mean in a way they're in the next room at least right but you have a responsibility to love them and i think that's the I, and i love that jesus does this he summarizes all those things and he says if you really love you'll fulfill all the other things that the scriptures command us to do but if you can love them and i think that's important because i think often children despise parents in their hearts quietly they despise their parents love your parents and i think sometimes parents look at their children as a hindrance inconvenience in their life i could have done so much more love your child and if you really love them then you will invest in each other's lives you'll invest your time and your energy and your resources if you love one another may god bless you in your homes with your children there's so much more that can be said about this but may god give you the grace to live as parents and children and, and build homes that are truly truly joyful places of great comfort places that you can that each one can actually call home right that's what we want let's pray together father in heaven we thank you lord again for this morning for your word to us and we thank you lord for uh, what you've so wonderfully instituted in creation marriage like we talked about last week but also children and the home and the family life and i pray that you would help us lord to listen and to heed the counsel of your word so that we might build homes and nurture children and love our parents in ways that honor and please you in jesus name i pray amen <laughs>